be picking back up in Genesis again this morning as we make our way through. We'll be in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 7, talking about a foolish quest for wisdom. Up to this point in Genesis, we've enjoyed the beauty of God's creative acts. We've seen him speak light where there was no light. We've seen him create where there was nothing. He's made man from the dust of the earth breathe the breath of life into his nostrils. We have seen that creation itself declares God's glory to us. Creation itself, if you will, is the first book that God made for us to understand and know him. As Paul wrote in Romans 1.20, for God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So the creation itself declares God's glory. It is artistic marvel for us to learn about who he is, how he is, everything about him. We see God in everything that exists. Everything that exists can teach us about our creator. And, but God is not creation any more than a work of art is an artist. It is an expression of who God is. The greatest art is creation. Every artist who comes after is only mimicking what they have already seen God make. And today we're going to learn about how the very good creation, as God declared it, was plunged into groaning and pain. It's a sad story and it is a tragedy of epic proportions. There's no more tragic story in all the world. So we need to ask ourselves, why did it go wrong? How did we get here? How did this happen? And this answers the question. So we'll begin reading in Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now this is an interesting passage in so many ways and you've heard this so many times I'm, I appreciate what Bob said this morning because you hear this so many times you just it just goes right by we don't we think about it but one thing we should ask is what, the serpent the devil that's a spoiler alert the devil is the serpent where did he come from we have no indication that any other supernatural being, think about this, up to this point has been made. We, don't, we haven't heard anything about any devils, no angels, no nothing. We've had Adam, Eve, all the other creation, and all of a sudden in chapter 3, verse 1, there's a serpent there. Where does he come from? We have no idea. He's just in the garden. And he is 
wise. And by the way, I love this part. First of all, we need to, there's so much we have to talk about here. Remember, Eve is afraid if she eats or touches the fruit, she's going to die. That means she knows what dying is. If you had no definition for death, you would know even what the threat was. So we'll get to that in a minute. But one of the things you need to notice here, and this is for the children too, the adults, the snake is talking and nobody freaks out. It's one of my favorite things about this passage. Don't miss that. It is the beast of the field. The snake talks and nobody goes, hey, whoa, what? There's a snake here and it's talking to me. That means in heaven, obviously, the animals will all speak to us. I think, I'm serious, kind of. Remember when Balaam's riding that donkey? The Bible says that God loosed his tongue and he spoke. So I think C.S. Lewis was onto something in Narnia. There is a paradise coming that's going to blow our minds. Anyway, there's a talking snake here and nobody's freaked out by it. Balaam's donkey talked because his tongue was loosed. And the whole creation groans now under bondage that has come because of sin. There are things that await us in Christ that we have not dreamed of. And maybe we have, but have not dared hope is true. Anyway, that's just a side note. Talking snake. One unfortunate thing here in your translation. I hate, to say, I hate to say this because it makes it sound like translations are bad, but they're not really. But this is not a good choice, I don't think. When it says here that the servant was more crafty than any other beast of the field, you, you start to miss the point of this entire passage. Crafty, in our mind, has a negative connotation. It's crafty, it's cunning. It means like up to something, no good. But in Hebrew here, the Bible word, the Bible word, the Hebrew word is wise. There's no negative connotation. It says that the serpent was wiser than any other serpent, any other beast of the field. And it says here that Eve, when she takes of the fruit, she saw it was good to make one wise. This is a passage about wisdom and foolishness. The fall is categorized in terms of wisdom and not sin. It doesn't mean that they didn't sin, but it is not categorized that way. This is about wisdom and foolishness more so than sin. When we talk about the fall, I really want you to grasp this. When you talk about the fall of humanity into sin, we say, it would be more appropriate perhaps this morning to say this is, this is the fall of mankind into foolishness. That's what this is about. And the reason I want to make that distinction, it's the same thing, but the reason I want to do this is it, it, it can help us go and understand a little better. We're not talking about sin here the way we normally think of sin. When you think of sin, you think maybe, most people would think of someone who's broken the rules, right? We have a rule here. The rule is don't eat from any, uh, don't eat from the tree in the midst of the garden. There's the rule. And they ate from that tree, they broke the rule, therefore they are sinners. And that's generally how we categorize sin. And that's right, but it's not the theme. The story is about wisdom and foolishness, not rule-breaking. And there's a difference there. It's a rule-breaking seems to us very black and white. We have a rule, we break it. Black and white. What I'm trying to do is add color to the story to say it's not just about a rule-breaking. It's about being wise or foolish. The proposition of the Old Testament and really on into glory is this. It's not just about you breaking the rules. It's about whether or not you're going to be wise or foolish. Will you be wise or foolish? And that's much harder. Rule-breaking, easy. Rule-keeping, easy. Being wise, hard. At least it is for us now because we're foolish. 
This is about wisdom and foolishness. And Paul picks up on this, actually, in Romans 1, 21 through 22. He's talking about Romans 1, that creation declares the glory of God. He says, remember, I just read it to you, that uh, his eternal power, his attributes, his divine glory has been made manifest through the creation. And then in 21 through 22 of verse 1, he says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise... They became fools. See, even Paul here, when he talks about creation and fall into sin, he's using the categories of wisdom and foolishness. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. That's what this story is about. Eve was foolish, but she was seeking wisdom. When she ate the fruit, she said it was something that was a delight to the eyes and able to make one wise. She thought she would become wise, but trying to be wise, she became a fool. So we're looking at color vision, the quest for wisdom. The entire Bible then, the entire scripture, is not just about sin. Sin is real. It's bad. Foolish people are sinful people. Sinful people are foolish people. But the quest of the Bible is not to become not sinners. What's the opposite of sinner? Do you have a word? Saint, maybe? Holy? It's the opposite of a fool. Wise person. The quest of Scripture is to become wise. The quest of Scripture is to be able to be confronted with moral categories and be able to choose wisely. How do we do that? Well, this is what this passage is about. Why does the serpent go after Eve? He goes after Eve because he's crafty. He goes after Eve because he's wise. Because he's trying to destroy the works that God has made. He doesn't like God's very good creation. For whatever reason, he's a rebel. So he goes after Eve first. I have some speculations about why that is. But we're going to stick to God's word. I don't want to say too much, but I don't want to say too little. We know that the woman was made last, and she was the crown of God's creation. She was the last thing that God assad, the last thing that God built, was the woman. He wanted to undo what had been done. And we know from the scripture that Adam himself was the head of creation, and also the head of everyone who comes after. And even though Eve ate first, it doesn't say that their eyes were opened until Adam ate. It says, and Adam ate, then their eyes were opened. Paul writes in Romans 5.12, Sin came into the world through one man. He doesn't mention Eve. Sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. We are directly tied to the fate of Adam when we are born into this world. We are born dead. Dead in trespass and sin. That's why when I believe... God warns Adam and Eve that dying, he doesn't just say, if you eat the fruit, you're going to die. In Hebrew, he says this. If you eat the fruit, dying, you will die. Dying, you will die. He's serious about it, emphatic. He didn't have exclamation points in Hebrew, so he just had to repeat stuff really harshly. Dying, you'll die. And they ate. Did they die? They did die instantly. That's how they knew they were naked. 
They instantly died. Because the death that we're worried about here is spiritual death. Separation from God. We come into the world dead in trespass and sin. We come into the world born separated from God because of sin. It's not like it used to be. The devil here in tempting Eve first is usurping the created order of headship. It's not all Eve's fault. Not at all. Verse 6, it says that her husband was with her. It says he was with her. And there's more than one way to say with in Hebrew. This with means right next to. So next to her is how you could translate this. She gave to her husband who was next to her. So he hears this whole dialogue. He's standing there and he said nothing. He did nothing. He listened to the serpent speak. And the serpent was so wise. He starts out casting doubt with God. Did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden for real? And Eve says, well, no, he didn't say that. Just this one tree. See, already putting doubt. God's withholding stuff from you. Oh, have you ever heard that one before? That's the old tempter's snare. He's still using it today. He don't have a whole lot of tricks. He doesn't need them. Did God really say you can't eat from any of the fruit of the trees? He's holding something out on you, Eve, Adam. No, he said we just shouldn't eat from this one tree. You know why he said that? He doesn't want you to be like him. You eat this fruit, you'll be like God. You'll become God. You'll know good and evil. That's foolishness. That's the foolishness. Seeking to be God is the foolishness of mankind. They disobeyed God. You want to be wise, you keep God's commands. Love God with all of your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself and you will be wise. He talks to Eve because he wants to usurp the created order. He goes to Eve instead of Adam. He wants to destroy everything. He wants to destroy Eve's relationship to Adam. Don't you think after this was over, Adam was like, why did you eat that? This is how it would go down at my house. I don't know how it would go down at yours. Why did you eat that? To which she would respond, of course, why didn't you say anything? And you ate too. You were standing right there. What's your problem? How do you think that affected their relationship for the rest of their lives? And it was a long life. It was like 900 years. Always talking about it. The old joke I heard one time. This is awful. So Adam and Eve are walking by. You know, God puts an angel there with a flaming sword guarding the way so they can't go back into the garden. And they're walking by and Cain and Abel say, what's that? And Adam says, well, that used to be our house. Your mama ate us out of house and home. (laughs) That's wrong. That was sinful to Adam make that joke. Not for me. I was just relating the joke. They did this together. And the devil is crafty. Crafty's right, even though it says wise here. He was trying to mess up their relationship from the start. So that they would be blame casting. It worked like a charm. The next thing you know, Adam's blaming her. She's blaming the serpent. They died. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Look at this snake. Did God really say you can't eat from any trees? God just doesn't want you to be like him. God's holding out on you. That fruit looks really good, right? And that, that is exactly how he does it today. It looks good. I want it. Must be good then. 
How many times have people fallen into that trap? I want that thing. God said that the debtor is enslaved to the lender. Did you know that? God said the debtor is enslaved to the lender. But surely a small debt won't matter, right? Just use my credit card to buy this one thing. This is one thing. This is one thing. Next thing you know, you got $20,000 in credit card debt, and you're paying as much on your credit card as you are in your car payment, which you also owe. You're in debt up to your eyeballs. You don't listen to God. I love her. She loves me. We may not be married yet. So what if God said we're supposed to make some vows? We're going to move in together. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're not going to listen to God's counsel. That's what we do. We just want something. We get it. What does it matter? It looks good and I want it. I know I'm supposed to forgive 70 times 7 and be patient. But my treatment has been insufferable. And so I am going to tell everyone on Facebook about how dirty someone has done me. Super wise. Just so you know, when you write stuff about people on Facebook, it doesn't always give you a good look. Because lately, y'all may have heard, we're looking for a family pastor, David and Holly going off to synagogue. Every time we get a resume, I stalk their Facebook page. And we can eliminate a bunch of resumes right off the bat from there. Foolishness. I'll make it better by telling everybody in my business. This is the serpent's trick. Trying to make you think that God is holding out on you. If he really loved you, he would let you have this thing. If he really loved me, he would give me everything I wanted. He does love you. And sometimes that's why he doesn't give you what you want. And so the great sin of the world is being foolish and not listening to God. How does the tempter come to you? How does temptation come into your life? We are very blessed here. We have Bibles. A lot of us were raised in church. We have a, even, even our culture, maybe not as it once was, but pretty much. We have a, our ethics are centered on Christian morality. Christianity has changed the world. So we sort of understand the difference between good and evil and right and wrong. We, we know the difference between good and evil. And yet we still sin. Why? Every time we don't, every time we sin, it's because we don't trust God. If Adam and Eve had believed that God withheld this fruit from them because he is good, and that any attempt to distrust him would end in disaster, things would have been a lot different. And so with you, listen to me. God has plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get rich. He's talking about the prosperity of your soul and your spirit. That's why here it's important to understand that the life and death God is promising, as he does throughout the rest of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, the life and death that he's promising is not just physical life. It is spiritual, eternal life. This story... Brothers and sisters, isn't about how Adam and Eve sinned and eventually got old and died. They lived 900 more years. They died the moment they ate the fruit. Death of the flesh 
is nothing. It's dust. The death God was speaking of here is being cut off from himself. That's the death you got to worry about. Jesus talked about this, didn't he? He said, look, don't be afraid of people who can kill you. Don't be afraid of people who can kill you. Why? Getting killed sounds pretty bad. Jesus said, don't be afraid of that because be afraid of the one who can kill you and then throw you into hell, which is the second death. This is the death we need to worry about. First death, not a big deal. Jesus rose up from the dead. We're going to rise up from the dead. God made us out of dirt. We'll be fine. We're going to be all right. It's going to be fine. He made us out of dirt. He can get us back up again. No problem. But you die separated from him. And that's the second death. Living all eternity without the peace, hope, joy, patience, kindness, and loving face of the Father, that's death. And that's how we come here. It is torture. It would be torture now that we see, those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. To constantly be surrounded by the greatness and goodness of God everywhere, I hope that your heart overflows with worship and all the beauty and goodness and greatness you see. Everywhere you look, you see God's expression of himself. Can you imagine looking at God's expression of himself and everything that he had made and all of his goodness all the time and having no praise in your heart? Praise is a gift, and it is life. Worship is life. Worship is life. If you worship the wrong thing, you'll die. And if you worship the wrong thing long enough and the wrong things, you will die over and over and over again. Because when you give yourself to the worship of something that disappoints and is unworthy of your worship, it will kill your soul too. It's a horror. So death is not worshiping God. Death is seeing everything that we have and not knowing where it came from or who to give credit to. The flesh is nothing. Death is everything when we're talking about separation from God. Verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, oh, it looks so good. And the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And then their eyes were opened and they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. What did they do that for? Why did they put on the loincloths? They were ashamed. And they were hiding from each other. We've been hiding ever since. We were built for community. We were made for fellowship. Our entire, the entire point of man and woman together was so that they would not be alone. But sin separates. It doesn't just separate us from God. It does that. It also separates us from each other. We have a distance now. It will not be overcome in this life because of our motivations can't be trusted, our understanding is not full, our trust, our shame of who we are. We, we can't share as we ought or should, perhaps. Sometimes we overshare, pushes people away because we say dumb things. We don't know how to forgive. We are messed up. Sin separates us. That's why they hid. They were hiding from each other. 
And they'll hide from God too. There's only two people in the whole garden and in the whole world. And those two folks are already hiding from each other and from God. Sin is horrible. And it's foolish and it looks dumb. They put on some fig leaves. In a minute, they're going to try to hide from God. And actually, it says that Adam hides her. He basically says, you go over there. Hide under this thing. And then he runs off and hides. Oh, my goodness. I wonder. This is Palm Sunday. Think about this. This is the day we celebrate that Jesus goes into Jerusalem to the praise of Hosanna, the son of David. They're calling him the Messiah, straight up. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Sanhedrin, they say, hey, tell them to be quiet. If they be quiet, these rocks will cry out, Jesus said. Do you not hear what they're saying? Calling you Messiah, no. Jesus said, rides into Jerusalem on the donkey's coat, and in six days he'll be killed. One day they're worshiping, the next day he's being crucified. Well, not really the next day, but it's really close. Foolishness. You want to be wise and quit sinning. You want to be right with God. Here we go. Ready? Let me give you a secret. Bible gives a secret to this wisdom quest. We're all on a quest for wisdom. Here it is. This is worth more, by the way, than every dollar you have. This is worth more than all the gold and jewels in the whole world. That's not just me talking. That's what the Bible says. This wisdom quest is more valuable than anything you own. It's more valuable than your life here. Here it is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. If you want to be wise, quit sinning, fear God. Fear the Lord. Fear His displeasure. You say, we love the Lord. He's our Father. We're called on. We can go into His presence anytime we want by grace. Why would we fear Him? Well, you know, we can also grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Fear that. Be afraid that if you act in a foolish manner, the Spirit of God will be grieved. That you will, be not, you will not be walking in the Spirit, but in foolishness. Listen to His Word. This is what Moses said. Remember, he's up on the mountain, and he's got people calling back and forth, and they're saying, listen to the... I'm summarizing. Listen to the law of the Lord and live. Don't listen to the law of the Lord and these curses will be on your head. This is a way of life and death. This is from Genesis chapter 3. Wisdom is listening to the Lord and obeying Him, trusting Him, loving Him, believing that He has the very best plan for you. The very best plan for you. That does not mean material prosperity or even that you won't have great pain and suffering. But what it does mean is that one day in the everlasting glory of God's kingdom, you will be rewarded ten. 20, 30, 40, 100 fold for everything that you have suffered here for his name's sake. And every single thing that you see, touch, taste, smell, experience in heaven will be a hundred fold better than anything we can imagine here. So I started out this sermon by sort of being funny, saying that the serpent was talking. I'm not really being funny. That might be true. Might not. But I know that my experience of heaven, I like my dog here. I think dogs are better in heaven. And I do think most of them make it. 
You say, what are you talking about? Dogs in heaven. Now you've lost your mind. There's horses in heaven. Jesus is riding one. Whatever heaven is, it looks like the garden, except unspoiled. And in the garden, there were lots of animals. And there were amazing things. They all come to him, and they get named. It is this beautiful picture of harmony, coexistence. Adam is naming animals. Serpents are talking to him. He's not freaking out. There are amazing things in store for us in heaven. Why am I telling you all that? So that when the fruit that is forbidden is dangled before your eyes and you think in your mind that God is withholding from you, what you need to focus on is this. My God loves me. He made this creation very good, and I have not yet imagined what is in store for me. And if I can endure the race that he has set before me, not everybody else, my race, if I can endure to the end, then the reward I receive is not worthy to be compared to the dust the serpent wants you to eat with him. It is not worthy to be compared. So run your race. It doesn't look like mine. You will have to suffer things that I don't suffer. I will have to suffer things you won't suffer. You will have joys I do not have. I will have joys you won't have. For God has, he does have a plan for you. And it is a glorious adventure. Trust him. Don't listen to the serpent. Don't let him dangle out the forbidden fruit in front of you like he did to our forefather and foremother. I said that we were born here, separated from God, and we are, but we don't have to stay there. There's a second Adam, and today's the day we celebrate him going into his Jerusalem. Jesus Christ. Next week, we're going to celebrate him rising from the dead. Go to Christ with all of your sin, and all of your shame, and all of your nakedness and exposure. And he will forgive you. And he will call you son. And he will call you daughter. And he has a home prepared for you. That if you could see it now, we would probably die from happiness. Trust the Lord this morning. Know that he has the best for you. And in your quest for wisdom, know that the fear of the Lord is always the best and safest route. Let's pray. Father, we hope this morning that you will make us a wise people. And by being wise, a less sinful people. Help us to be a people who hear your word and obey. Help us to be a people who hear your word and love you. Forgive us our trespasses, O Lord, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Help us to run our race with endurance. Give strength to those who are weak. Give strength to those who have suffered mightily and are tired. Let them rise up as if they have the wings of eagles. 